Good morning, class. Hi, this is Faith School. We welcome you back for some more growth and development. Some of you have been joining us for a while now. Those of you that are just joining us, all we've done previously is available online. Uh, no charge. You can just go to faithschool.org. And we are on number 11 in our study of these accounts. Well, that means there are 10 that we spent a lot of time on before, and it would benefit you. Do you think so, class? It would benefit them yes. to go back and get it. it it's, it's worth your time. And again, no charge. Uh, but uh, whatever you need today, God knows. He, the Spirit of God is not limited by space, nor time, nor language, nor culture, nor any of those things. He, uh, he speaks heart <laughs> language. And that transcends everything else. And though man looks on the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. And all things are open and exposed, naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So uh, you don't want to try to play any religious games with the Lord because he sees right through all that and, and doesn't listen to it, doesn't pay attention because he knows you're not serious about it. But when you get serious, when you seek the Lord with all your heart, you'll find Him. And when you draw near to Him in spirit and truth, He responds and He draws near to you. So let that happen in the class today. Get your Bible, put everything else on hold, and come on into the classroom and release faith to hear from Him, not religious stuff, not tradition, not men's ideas, but really hear from Him, your Creator. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity to know You, to hear from You, to feed on Your Word that makes us strong and enables us to, to be strong in faith and overcome all adversity and tests and trials. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the thanks. And we say, Lord, not our thinking, our will, but your will be done in our lives to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you go please in our great textbook today, the Bible, to Mark, the seventh chapter, we're on, as we said, the 11th individual account in our study of faith for healing. And Mark is the only one that uh, records this, this way. And so we're just looking in Mark for this healing of the deaf man with the speech impediment. In Mark 7.31, 731 says again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Zidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. Decapolis, uh, Deca means ten. 
and then uh, polis has to do with, with cities. And so this was a region of ten cities, and um, I guess uh, uh, most of them are located in present-day Jordan. And uh, uh, one of them was in Syria, and a couple of them were in Israel, present-day Israel. So that, that region, these ten cities actually linked together on some things. So they were called the, the Decapolis, the ten-city region. Why does he want us to know that? Well, there are other scriptures about this. We're going to get into, I believe, in just a few moments. But any time that there's something revealed, it's connected to the other revealed things. And so uh, he's coming into this region and they, this man's acquaintances and friends, they bring to Jesus one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and then they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Like we noticed on yesterday's class, they had a big part in this helping this man to get to the place where he could receive his healing. They couldn't receive it for him. And we can't receive things, no matter how much we love people and how much we want to, we can't just receive things for other adult people. We can help them get there, like these folks did. But what happened next then is different from our preceding 10 individual accounts. It said, Jesus took him aside from the multitude. He takes the man, I reckon, by the hand or leads him somehow by the arm or whatever, and he just leaves the whole group where they are and goes to another place before he starts putting his hands on him and, and speaking, uh, releasing faith over him. So why would he do that? Why? He lets us know that's what happened. Why? You'll find, and in, in this is our next account, I believe, that we're going to study in the very next chapter. If you just look over, it's a page in my Bible to the eighth chapter. The next account is the healing of the blind man in uh, Bethsaida. And verse 23, Mark 8, 23, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, Bethsaida is one of these towns in this region, in Decapolis. Um, and both, in both cases, in this area, Jesus takes the people away from that specific area and away from that group of people before he'll minister to them. Why? Well, thankfully, we got answers right here in the Bible. We've got other scriptures that deal with this very, uh, very thing. Look in Luke 10, and this will, uh, this will open it up. Luke 10, and about verse 9, he, uh, Jesus was sending, he sent the 12, he sent the 70. In verse 9, he, he said, uh, heal the sick that are therein. This is Luke 10, 9. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
But into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you not. So do these, uh, the 12 apostles, disciples, and then the 70 also that he sent out, do they have assurance that everybody they go to is going to receive what they're preaching and what they're doing? No, the Lord even, he gives them a heads up about people not receiving. And he said, if... uh, If they don't receive you, they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaves on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Well, Sodom was judged and destroyed because of their their sin and ungodliness. And and here, he's saying, if you go and you preach what I tell you to preach and and minister what I give you to minister, and people don't receive that, he said, on your way out, you let them know this. You let them know this. As an act of uh, demonstration, on your way out of town, you stop and you say, I'm wiping off the dust of your town. From my, from my shoes. I don't want to take any of that with me. What is that? It's kind of like washing your hands of them. Is that right? Would the Lord say that? About a town? About a place? See, people get all these goofy ideas, religious ideas that are not reality. Um, no, when something precious is offered to you, and given to you, and you treat it like it's nothing, and you reject it, and you don't receive it, and you even speak ill of it and blaspheme, well then, you're responsible. And especially if as leaders of a city or a country, you reject something that could help your people, and you have hurt your people and yourself, in rejecting these things, then there's a responsibility that goes with that and it can bring judgment. Notice, he goes on further in verse 13. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. Now reckon where um, these two towns were. (laughs) Yeah, yep, Decapolis. Part of that. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Now see, we just got through reading in Mark 8. Um, You can look at it again if you want to. But in Mark 8, where that uh, blind man that we're going to be studying here soon, verse 22, he comes to where? Mark 8, 22, he comes to Bethsaida. That is the very town that Jesus, verse 23, he took the man by the hand and he led him, what? Out of the town. Out of the town. Out of the town. (laughs) So they didn't just go around the block. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Should we take this seriously? One thing we need to remind ourselves, the servant's not above his master or her master. Right? So if Jesus uh, knew this was necessary, 
then we need to be alert and aware that there are obviously environments that are so hindering to faith and to the things of God that you really just need to get people out of there. You need to get people out of that environment, out of that area, out of that church. Somebody said, church? Yeah. There are churches that they preach on and on about how that all this healing and miracles are done away with and gifts of the Spirit are of the devil. There are churches that, that say such things. Well, are you going to receive manifestation of the Spirit in a church like that? You likely to receive a healing in a church like that? Not likely. Not likely. There are places and things that you need to get out of so that your thinking can begin to change. Because as long as you're in that and immersed in that and surrounded by that wrong thinking and that fear and that disrespect and that unbelief, it's going to be like a block and like a blinder to you and like a deafening to you. Uh, I know I had the privilege of working at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in, in their healing school for years. And... Um, we saw a lot of miracles and a lot of good things. And we saw some things also that frustrated us sometimes. And, and one was this case of this individual. And uh, they had been with us for a couple of weeks. And man, they, uh, they were in bad shape the first Monday that we started the healing class there. And by the end of the two weeks, I'd say they were 70, 80% improved. I mean, remarkable <laughs> progress. Well, we, uh, we took a little break for some kind of holiday, and when we came back, they came back, and they were as bad as they were, uh, you know, two plus weeks before. I thought, what in the world? What happened? You know, basically all the progress they had made lost. And so, so they they, they improved by the end of the week and in the weekend break and we came back for the next week and you could tell they were almost starting over again the following week. And so after a while, I, I prayed and asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what's going on? And, and the Lord showed me this, uh, a, a, a visual in my heart and mind from Romans 8. Uh, in fact, just, just look at it, hold your place here. But in Romans 8, he talks about spiritual and carnal, and he talks about the mind. Is the mind important? Does it matter what you keep your mind on? Romans 8 and verse uh, 6 says, For to be carnally minded. Now carnal, another word for carnal is flesh. Flesh minded, body minded, material minded natural-minded, is what? Death. Death. Uh, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it matter what your mind is on and what your focus is on? How, how much does it matter? According to this, life and death. What you think on, what your mind is on, well, is where you are, uh, the environment and the people you're around, does that affect what's on your mind? Yes. Oh, yeah. 
So the Lord showed me that those that, that person, as long as they were with us, and we there in healing school, we had two sessions a day. We had a morning session that lasted a couple of hours. Then we broke for lunch. We had an afternoon session that lasted for a couple of hours. So, and then I, I even gave them some assignments sometime for night. You know, read this and listen to this. So they're getting healing in the morning, healing in the afternoon, healing when the sun goes down. And the Lord showed me that as long as they were with us, they had their mind on Him. And as long as their mind was on Him, they were connected to life. And it's like, uh, it's like sunshine on a flower. <laughs> it just caused them to open up and blossom life and peace. But then when they would leave and go home, they'd have their mind on their relatives asking them 20 times a day, how do you feel? Don't give me all that faith talk now. How do you really feel? <laughs> you don't look good. You don't look good. You, you look bad. <laughs> now you're laughing, but does this go on? And so the Lord showed me that when they had their mind on that, it's actually ministering death to them. And they are just wilting. And they're just going down. Does it matter what environment you're in? And what you're listening to? And what you're seeing and hearing and talking about and feeding on? And does it matter <clears throat> the people around you, what they believe? What they believe. So, so look again in this Luke uh, 10. We see this whole passage here is about uh, people, an area, receiving something or not receiving it. And so the Lord said when He sent these 70 into these, uh, every city and every place where He was coming, if, verse 10, they, they don't receive you, then on your way out, you wipe off the dust of your feet and you say, uh, uh, you can be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's been offered to you. You have heard, I'm paraphrasing, you, you've heard the words of life. You have seen the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and yet you have despised them and you have rejected them and you said you don't want them. And so, it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment than for you because they didn't see and hear things like you have seen and heard. Can you see this class? Verse 13, he goes on to, to speak specifically to cities. And these are some of those cities of Decapolis. Some of those in this same region. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. And Ben, we have scripture that the blind man that was in Bethsaida, that's the town he was in, and Jesus took him by the hand and led him all the way out of the town. Do we need to meditate on this? Think about this. That wasn't convenient, right? So he keeps taking the man's blind, so I guess he's having to lead him by the hand or something. And they keep going, and well, are we there yet? No, no, we're not out of town yet. I want to be out of this town. Out of this town. Before he, before he would minister to him. Out of the town. 
Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Zidon. Now see, uh, we're told about Tyre and Zidon with the Syrophoenician woman. So all these things are significant, are they? And especially when you see something mentioned more than one place, then it's got to all tie together somehow, whether you see it or not. If the works had been done in Tyre and Zidon, which had been done in you, they would have a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Zidon at the judgment than for you. There's a responsibility that comes when people hear the gospel and when people are exposed to real Holy Spirit ministry and they're exposed to the real anointing and real revelation. Uh, it's wonderful, and yet, if you reject it, it can result in, in judging. It can result in the... And this is what has happened, that people have been exposed to what we call moves of God and what we call revivals and these kind of things. And anybody just halfway honest would acknowledge God's real. Look at all this, right? I mean, this is real. How can somebody manufacture this? And yet, if because of ulterior motives and pride and all kind of other stuff, people try to shut it down and, and shut it up. We don't want that wildfire in our church. We, we don't want all that stuff. If you do that, you have limited things, not just for yourself, but if it's leadership, you've limited it for your whole church, your whole community, your whole town. Can you see this? And what's sad is then you'll have a whole generation of young kids that grow up and become adults in that environment and they think that's right. They think that's normal. And then their kids come along and then their kids come along and you have five generations that have despised the move of God that wasn't even exposed to it back then. And the children are being affected by their parents. Now don't misunderstand me. Every generation is going to get its opportunity. The Lord will see to that. But if you've been trained from a child to reject it, the tendency is to reject it. That's why we must be on our watch about religious tradition that we got growing up and from our parents and grandparents and from our denomination and this and that. We must discipline ourselves to check everything by the Word of God. And if we find it in the Word, I don't care if our five generations of forefathers didn't believe in it and never saw it. If it's in the Bible, I'm going for it. How about you? If it's in the Bible, you know, uh, you know, if, if grandma and grandpa really messed up, I'm not going to continue that way of rejecting truth and rejecting the move of the Spirit. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about that there are groups that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. They, they don't want any move of God or the power manifested. They, they think, oh, no, that's, they even call it the devil. And that's blasphemy. And when you blaspheme and you judge 
what you have done, you've judged yourself unworthy of receiving these kind of things. And here in these towns, they had been uh, present and seen and heard some of the greatest ministry that had ever been on the earth. Jesus. Are y'all with me, class? His preaching and teaching was in their midst and around their places and uh, healed people were going back home to their houses and communities and everybody knew. This is, if they didn't know Messiah, they knew real prophet of God. This is a real move of God. Who ever heard of these kind of things happening? They knew it. And yet, if you're going to shut down on that and say, we don't want that, that's one of the worst moves of your life. One of the worst decisions. He said, woe unto you, Chorazin, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Zidon, which as we already saw, this is Canaanite. This is Baal worship country. This is ungod. He said, I'm paraphrasing, if my meetings and the miracles that happened had been up there, They'd have repented. But here are people that are supposed to know something about God, some of these people, not accepting it. They would have repented a great while ago in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Zidon at the judgment than for you. And he wasn't done. And he said, and you, Capernaum. <laughs> That's part of these cities. Can you see? Why, did, why is he telling us about Decapolis? Why is he leading these individuals away from the crowds and even all the way out of town? You, Capernaum, exalted to heaven. You'll be thrust down to hell. And, and it keeps going. He that hears you, hears me. And he that despises you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent me. Is the Lord big on delegation? Oh, He is. You know, if the Lord really anointed me to teach and preach what we're doing in faith school, if you despise this, you're despising Him. Right? And He says if you despise Him, you despise the Father that sent Him. And that's true with every legitimate, real minister, real ministry, real church on the planet. Now, there are those that shouldn't even be called a church because they don't even believe the gospel. But there is the real. And God is speaking today through His gifts, through His ministry, through His church. And He's manifesting Himself through His church and by His Spirit. Similar to what happened here. Didn't Jesus say, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. And greater work. Why? For the same reasons. For the witness. And so there are people too many today, they, they badmouth preachers, they badmouth people like me and churches, they don't know what they're doing. Because in despising us, they're despising Him. They're despising God Himself. Somebody say, help me not to do that. Help me to be aware, Lord, and show the proper respect for you, for your ministries, for your church, for your word, for your Holy Spirit. I believe in you and I honor you. Hallelujah. That's it for today, but there's much more to talk about this. Come back tomorrow and let's see some more of this back here in Faith School. I've got the 
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.